Okay. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of Growth Everywhere, where we interview entrepreneurs and bring you business and personal growth tips. I'm your host, Eric Sue, and today we have Andrea Lubier. Did I pronounce that right? You did. <laughs> cool. Good job. <laughs> All right. Nice. So, Andrea, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. So, um, Andrea, why don't you give us a little background on yourself, and then uh, you know we'll, we'll go from there. Sure. Um, okay, so I am actually the CEO of this email company called Mailbird. Um, I'm building this uh, software company with a team of seven other people, and we've been working on this for about a year and a half now. Um, I've lived in Indonesia for close to 11 years now, but I am half American, half Filipino. Um, so very international, and I also love uh, working with an international team. And um, other than that, yeah, I love what I'm doing. So. Cool. So, can you tell us a little more about uh, Mailbird? And you know, I know it has. Um, I know it's kind of similar to uh, Sparrow, so we can talk about that a little more. Uh, yeah. So, Mailbird was actually you started seeing when we launched. Um, we had a soft launch in April. Uh, a lot of people started calling it the Sparrow for Windows because a lot of people were actually looking for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, what we're doing is, yeah, we got a lot of inspiration from Sparrow, and there was nothing like that on the Windows platform. Um, but what we're focused on is really just building a secure email platform um, for Windows that brings productivity back into your life. Um, and we're trying to build this platform so it brings a lot of innovation to email because it has not really changed that much um, over the many, many years mm-hmm. uh, that people have been using it. Mm-hmm. And it's still, even today, is, is the number one online activity uh, that people uh, do online. So Cool. Yeah. Great. So yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of uh, you know, in terms of users, how many users do you guys have right now? So roughly right now we have around seven thousand active users, mm-hmm. and out of those seven thousand, about seventy to seventy-five percent are actually paying customers. Wow. So yeah, the conversion is awesome. It's now really just focusing on finding these uh, um, customers that are going to stick around. So yeah. Cool. How does uh, how does your pricing model work? Um, so we have a freemium model as well, um, and as well as a subscription-based model. Um, and so, of course, the freemium model, we're kind of utilizing that to um, give people a chance to try the software, get familiar with it. And should they decide that they are more of a power user and they want to use some of the other features that differentiate mm-hmm. uh, Mailbird from the trade. So... Uh oh, I think I lost you for a second. So uh, okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> uh, I lost you for like the last, I think, the last fifteen seconds or so. So anything you can repeat from that? Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, I guess the question again was, uh, if you can repeat it. Yeah. Sure. So the question again was, um, how many users do you guys have right now? And uh, you answered that one. So. Yeah. What is uh you know what what does your pricing model look like? That's right, the pricing model. Okay, yeah. So um, what I was saying earlier is that um, we have a freemium based model just to give people a chance to get familiarized with the with the software, mm-hmm. um, and then we also have a um, a subscription based model so people can actually upgrade and then their mail application becomes more of a service that we're providing. Um, so yeah. Cool. So, how much does it cost, uh, you know, for me to, you know, upgrade to the premium version? Um, so, to get the pro version, it's mm-hmm. actually twelve dollars a year. So, it's one dollar a month. So, super cheap. Um, when you're looking at some of the other email clients that are out there, they're quite expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in particular, one of the more common ones that you see in corporate offices are is Microsoft Outlook if they're on a Windows platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's a great alternative solution for people that are looking for something a little different. Got it. Okay. Cool. So why? Um, I guess the question is, you know, why so cheap? Um, we actually because. The, the other email clients that are out there were a little higher or they were free. Um, but a lot of people that wanted something that kind of could be a little more customizable that worked with them because um, everyone has different problems with email, whether it's not being able to clean out their inbox, it's out of control, or they need like a really awesome contacts you know, management system. Um, there's so many different things that, that can help people, you know, manage information mm-hmm. um, that's processed every day. So we thought, you know, why not do this and, and kind of build more of a community around it instead of just charging a ton of money for it. Um, but of course, that's always uh, something that I guess you test when you're when you're building a startup. So we actually started with the pricing being a little lower um, before, and then we actually adjusted it. And it was funny too because um, I think at first it was around like. Nine ninety nine, and that, that's what Sparrow was charging for it. So we're like, okay, well, maybe we'll kind of mimic the same thing to see how that works. But then, uh, after just talking to some people, we're like, you know, why not? Why not go for twelve dollars a year? Because mm-hmm. in in like a person's mind, like twelve dollars a year is a lot easier to process. Like, okay, that's one dollar a month. Mm-hmm. Whereas, uh, yeah, nine ninety nine with that, like, it, it's just quickly for people to process, I think the, the pricing is a lot easier. So we actually saw a higher conversion when we increased the price in this case. Okay. What was the, do you know what the conversion rate bump was? Uh, the conversion rate bump, I don't have the specific number, but I can tell you that right now it's roughly 24%. Okay. And 24%, this is from freemium to pro? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. I, yeah. I mean, free to pro. Um, yeah. Cool. So I guess, you know, another question is, um, you know, have you, are you, did you guys take any funding? Um, Cause you said you have like, you work with seven other people right now, right? Yes. Um, so the initial capital that's been injected into our startup um, was uh, bootstrapped internally. So we have not received any outside funding yet, mm-hmm. um, but we are actually starting to actively seek it because we are starting to grow now. We want to kind of expand our, our efforts and resources to, to really keep the business moving forward. So, okay. Yeah. I think an interesting part of the puzzle is that, you know, you, you're working with seven, seven other people and I know you have 7,000 yeah. users right now, but you know, the revenue, I mean, you know, thinking about the math off the top of my head, it doesn't add to like pay everyone. So, um, you know, for people that are wondering how you can, you know, um, get these seven people to work on a compelling, you know, some, something with, get, get them to work on something with you. I mean, how, um, how are you, how are you compensating them right now? Let's put it that way. Yeah, sure. So, um, everyone kind of has their own focus in the business and, one of the things that you see, you're, why you're seeing some, so just to clarify, I'm in, I'm in Bali right now, mm-hmm. um, and I'm, I'm working from a co-working space that, that is uh, here. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we're seeing so many more entrepreneurs from all over the world coming to places in Southeast Asia, I guess, because you're in, I believe, California? I'm in Santa correct? Monica, yep, I'm in California. Santa Monica, okay. Yep. Okay, so it would be a lot more expensive, uh, like, operational cost-wise to run a business in California than it would be in Southeast Asia. Just cost of living is cheaper than in Western world. Um, and otherwise, like, yeah, I mean, it's just, that is just what it boils down to. So 
Okay. Because resources are a little more available here. Yeah. Cool. And are you um are you are you paying them all like a salary right now, or does everyone get like a share of equity? I'm just wondering. You know, for, for our viewers, they're wondering. Yeah. You know, how do I get seven? How do we do it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everyone has a share and equity uh, mm-hmm. in the company. Um, all our core uh, our core team does. And on top of that, we've kind of in, in this co-working space that we have here. Um, part of the benefits offered are also you know this community that's here. So, for example cost of living is would be covered so so yeah sure salaries for all of us right now maybe aren't like amazing but we also have the benefit of this community and all these resources around us in this in this environment to to help us grow i think that's really cool and what makes it different yeah so let's i guess we can talk about bali a little bit so i mean how what what's the typical you know cost of living there just so people can get a better idea of you know what if you know if they want to do something exactly like you yeah exactly um so okay i guess I know you think about getting an apartment in in San Francisco. It's easy going to be at least three grand, you know, just a small apartment. Um, in Bali, you could get a whole villa, you know, with staff to help you, you know, day to day for less than that. Wow. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I guess, so is most of your team based in Bali right now? Actually, no. Um, so we have a pretty distributive team. Okay. Um, we have some team members in Copenhagen, and then the rest of the team members are, it, all of us are in Indonesia, but some of okay. us are in other parts. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Great. So, I mean, you know, you making the move from the U.S. and then deciding to take the plunge to, you know, just move move into move into Asia, um, you know, yeah. I guess, I guess, you know, walk us through that experience. Um, so, like I mentioned before, I've lived in Indonesia, actually, for like 11 years yeah. now. Um, I actually grew up in Jakarta, um, okay. I went to an international school there, so I was kind of already, you know, brought up in this, like, very healthy, diverse mix uh. of people, and as you can imagine, like, all these people that, at this international school, eventually when, when school is over, go off to college, and a lot of people go back to Europe or the U.S. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, I think because I had grown up in that environment and around these types of people, mm-hmm. it was always I always knew that I wanted to kind of branch out and work on an international team and eventually come back to Bali. So kind of my my home away from home. So got it. Okay, so there's some familiarity there. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, you know, because I. The way I'm trying to think of this right now is I, I read a lot of articles out there. It's like, okay, you know, yeah, don't start your startup in San Francisco. You know, put it in like, you know, X, Y, or Z, like some random spot. And then it's just like, you know, your cost of living will go down, operation costs, things like that. So it's like, this is almost, you know, um, you know, you're, you're kind of hacking operation expenses, right? And, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, think that, I think that's great. But um, I'm trying to, you know, it, for a lot of people, it's, it's a risk. And I, I think it's a scary thing. So I, I still, even though you're, you're familiar with Bali or Indonesia, rather, um, you, you know, you making the plunge to go back, I think that's still, you know, a fairly brave thing to do. And I think it's a, something maybe a lot of people should consider, uh, maybe even myself. Um, mm-hmm. Cool. So in terms of, you know, in, you know, the struggles with having a distributed team, I mean, what struggles are you are you dealing with right now? Um, I would say initially it was just trying to figure out, you know, when you work on a distributed team, you kind of still want to maintain somewhat of a that's a team feeling so like even though we're working far away from each other you know we still will meet regularly we actually meet once a week and that's been really really helpful for us in keeping us kind of cohesive um and moving forward with the business and but also in addition to that like a lot of us will kind of travel and meet with each other too and come together uh for let's say like two months straight and really when we're trying to develop something or we have a big launch coming up 
so, yeah, I mean, it, it really has worked for us, and we have a great project manager, too, that helps us kind of stay on track with everything. So it really, I wouldn't say it's, now you, it's really possible to do it, to yeah. work with a distributive team, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I used to do that when I was at another startup. We, we had like 50% remote people, and then, you know, the other 50% were, were you, know, um, you know, actually in an office. Um, I tried mm-hmm. doing the remote thing right now as an agency, and it actually gets really hard. Um, so we're now we're yeah. thinking about meeting people, like, you know, um, getting getting an actual office again, because uh, it's just really difficult to collaborate on, on, you know, different ideas for clients. So I, I think th- at the end of the day, it really just depends. Um, in some cases, it really works out well. Like, you know, you have a good mix where it's like, you know, getting the FaceTime once a week, I think that's super important still, uh, just because there's something you, yeah. some things that, you know, you get in person that you don't when you're remote. Um, exactly, yeah. How about... Um, what are what are some benefits of being remote that you can tell our audience about? Um, benefits, uh, I guess you, you just have a little bit more uh, freedom, I guess, in what you're doing and when you're doing it. Um, I, I don't think it's ever necessary that you all have to kind of come into work, do the whole nine to five, you know, I guess that's very old school corporate structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, of course, we've been looking at other other things in, in terms of building the team and, and preparing for for continued growth, uh, which is a holacracy. So I know yep. GitHub, they, they actually something that they looked into. And mm-hmm. it's, it's awesome. It's there's a lot of different concepts in it. But I, I mean, I, I think what's great about it is that you can adapt it with your team. So the concept is no like crazy hierarchy, no boss barking at everyone, telling them what to do, mm-hmm. um, but more everyone, part of that is also hiring the right people to join the team, right? Mm-hmm. So everyone, for the most part, has great work ethic, um, everyone gets their stuff done, and part of that is is also because we've developed this culture together as a team by meeting once a week um, and just making sure that we're all on the same page. Cool. So yeah, so that's yeah. So you talk about holacracy a little bit. Um, can you give? I mean, you know, how long how long did it take you to put that process together? Because I know they have like a big constitution and all that. It sounds like there's a lot of work yeah. to get that going. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're actually in the process right now of doing it. Like the funny thing about it is that I think because we were so great at establishing like this really great team culture already mm-hmm. from the beginning, um, it's it's more like right now it becomes like a semantics issue where you're just like changing some of the the words around Mm -hmm. but otherwise it it also just kind of we're in the process right so how long does it take i would say at least a couple of months to really adapt concepts and make sure that everyone you know part of this team together so all these big decisions we can make together it's not one person right yeah no i think that's the that's the great thing about it it removes you know that layer of management and everyone's responsible um it's just it, it's a scary thing to have to you know make that change while everything's still going so i applaud you for doing that um cool so in terms of you know let's talk about um user acquisition so how did you acquire the first 100 users um so first 100 users what we did before we even had a name for mailbird uh we had this like really simple landing page and i think we, it was even we didn't know what to call it so we called it Magical mail app, uh-huh. <laughs> um, and all it was is just a field where you can enter your email app. If you're interested in this this cool, you know, new email application. You could sign up, and we'd notify you when it was ready. Mm-hmm. So we started uh, building our first potential uh, target users from that. Um, when we really started getting true actual users is when we actually launched um, a. We had a soft launch April 2nd of 2013, um, which allowed people to then 
uh, actually use the application. So of course, all that time before then, we worked on product development. Um, but yeah, so first 100 users was probably during our soft launch. What we did is a lot of different marketing initiatives. Like we started building our blog. Of course, when you start that, no one really reads it, I think, at first. And so you start to really, I mean, all this stuff I think just takes time and you have to just go through it. Mm -hmm. um, what else did we do? Uh, first 100 users. We, yeah, we, we use social channels as well um, to kind of build brand awareness for it. And with a lot of like the news that came out with, with Google acquiring Sparrow and people all of a sudden also started looking for the Sparrow for Windows alternative, um, it, it, was just, it was just the right time, I think, for us. And so we were able to communicate um, to people that, hey, there's this option out there. Um, give it a try. Cool. So, yeah. Great. In terms of uh, you know, other user acquisition strategies that you're using today, I mean, you know, can, you, can you talk about those? Um, I, I feel like nowadays it sounds like it's more uh, obvious, but of course we do a lot of content marketing, um, so blogging, reaching out to other blogs and influencers. Um, we do a lot of like promos too, like sometimes we'll do, um, like like for example, Black Friday, uh, which is of course, you know, the big sales day, everyone goes shopping after Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. We decided, okay, you can leverage these, these days, these big like consumer days. They also have like, what is it? Black Monday or something, or mm -hmm. not Black Monday, Cyber Monday. Cyber yeah. Monday. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like leveraging those, those opportunities to do the little sales promo. Like, oh, you can get this uh, awesome software for mm -hmm. that. Um, we, we actually also tested with kind of like the, the Dropbox strategy. Uh -huh. um, the referral strategy? Yes, exactly. So we had this thing, and we're, we're still doing it now, and it's, it's been great. We have like over 10,000 people that have been, had invites um, to their friends to try Mailbird, which is pretty cool. Wow. Um, but in exchange, they each get, you know, the upgraded pro version for like 25% off for free for a year. So nice. uh, that's been really fun to test. I mean, a lot of this stuff is like some of it works, some of it doesn't, and we just kind of go, go through um, the testing process for all the different yeah, that's um, that's super important for for people to understand. I mean, you know, some stuff's not gonna work, some stuff isn't. Um, you know, just got, you just gotta see what sticks. Um, you know, some people are against that, but I'm totally for right. it. And then sometimes, you know, something that 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 doesn't work, right, might end up working in a few months. So I think that the key here is, as a marketer or as a business owner, you have to keep a really open mind, right? That's kind of what I'm hearing. Yeah. Definitely, yeah, definitely. <laughs> cool, great. Um, so when you say, let's say. When you when you talk about content marketing, right? I mean, um, you know, what, how does that process look? Because a lot of people say they're doing it. You know, sometimes it's blog posts, sometimes it's kind of haphazard. I don't know what's going on exactly. It can be a, a bunch of things. So, what is it exactly? Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, it, I think you already kind of hit the nail on the head there. It, it's just any type of value added content that is created um, for your business. So, yeah, that could be a blog. Um, that could be even doing a podcast even. It could be a, an interview, a Skype interview, you know, about your business like this. So this, that would be another thing too. Um, it's just sharing information that's somewhat centered around your business mm -hmm. uh, that helps people. So uh, I don't think there's any one particular thing. So content marketing is, I think in essence, that, you know, it's developing really great content to share with, with people that, that would benefit from, from the product that you're building. 
got it. Makes sense. And it's so it sounds like you know it, you know earlier you talked about you know measuring uh, specific specific items and it's you know for a team of seven people it sounds like you guys have like internal analytics already built in and it sounds like it's pretty it's fairly useful already at this early stage. So um, can you talk about that a little bit? Um, internal analytics. Uh, what do you mean exactly in that sense? Yeah. So internal analytics. I mean, like instead of using like a Google Analytics, you guys have your own tools to measure. You know how engaged people are. You know, you you talked about the referrals, uh, like right. ten thousand, all that kind of stuff. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. 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 Um, well, we actually do use a tool called Mix Panel, uh, which is basically like yeah, the alternative to Google Analytics, but it's been really great for measuring a lot of these things. Okay. But otherwise, yeah, we have kind of like our own internal server that manages kind of our database of users. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that too. And that, that numbers in terms of our retention, um, new active users, total downloads for like a week. So we are measuring all that stuff kind of with our internal um, server. Yeah. Cool. Love it. Um, so it seems like, I, I think in one of, um, I've read somewhere where <laughs> Where it seems like you have your days broken down into predetermined sections. I think this was in a previous interview, right? Um, you know, you might do thirty minutes on this, you know, ten minutes on that. Um, so, I guess my question is, how religiously do you kind of follow this um, every day? Okay, so I would have to say that every day is different. <laughs> so we always like to experiment in terms of like productivity, right? So yeah. um, I don't know. Uh, one of the things is, uh, which is probably what you might have heard about already too, is like the Pomodoro, the tomato timer effect, where you uh-huh. have like an intense work working period, um, and then you, you cut off and take a break. Yep. Um, but it depends on what you're doing, though. Too is what I realized because we were testing it a lot. It's like if I'm, if let's say I'm, I'm writing a blog, doing that was it was really effective because it's like okay, this is the time you sit down, you focus, you get it done, and then you just take a little break. Mm-hmm. Um, but for other tasks, it doesn't always work. So I think. For the most part, because we kind of have holacracy in place, everyone has developed their own routine um, that they know is optimized for their own productivity. So I, I I don't know if I could say that like yeah this is this is the one way that I you know, get stuff done and, and yep. stick to it. So yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's tough to follow, right? It, as a CEO, especially, it's it's tough for you to have re- something really set because fires happen all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. Cool, <laughs> great. Um, so in terms of, you know, in terms of everyone has a productivity hack, right? So what's one productivity hack you can recommend to the audience? Productivity hack. Um, I would say, okay, this is a very relevant one. <laughs> Don't check your emails first thing in the morning. <laughs> and do, you know, kind of create a plan for what you're going to do that next day mm-hmm. and stick to that plan. Um, some of the many, I guess, uh, strategies that people offer uh, for better email management is to really batch your email time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I'm a perfect example of it. I, you know, at one point in time, I worked for a market research firm. We used Outlook, of course, because we were on Windows operating system. And I think there would be days where I would go in and just, I don't think I did anything but just constantly stress out and worry about replying to emails and clients. So. I mean, then you don't get any work done. So that's my productivity hack. Don't check your email first thing in the morning. I know people really like to do it, and they get scared when you say, oh, I can't check it. But you'll find that, wow, I actually am getting work done. Yeah. No, I, I even sometimes in some cases I just sometimes I just ignore email for like maybe even a whole day sometimes to get work done. I mean, yeah, that's what oh, it yeah. takes. Um, cool. So actually, you know, a question just popped up in my head. Um, so 
what is your background? Are you are you technical? Are you more on the business side? What do you you know? What's your background exactly in, in, in that sense? Uh, my my background is definitely with the business and marketing side. So. Okay. Cool. So, I mean, in terms of, you know, if there's any like business and marketing people watching this, I mean, how how have you kind of, you know, adjusted to, you know, working with developers, working with, um, you know, creatives like you know designers as well? You know, how, do, how does that work out for you? What's your process? Uh, uh, so, I, I, okay, to start off, I would say that this is probably like, I've probably learned more in the first year of working on this this tech startup than I would have ever learned uh, in, in, you know, college. And I think the reason for that is because part of being in a startup is there's so many new challenges that, that come up and you just, you learn to adapt with them. And so, of course, coming in, you know, maybe I don't come from a, a software engineering background, but like when you start working with people, you have that understanding with each other, they'll fill you in. And, and now I'm like, okay, now I'm starting to learn some of these like super techie words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I mean, I, I think it just happens naturally. If you, if you don't know something, there's always someone there willing to sit down and help and explain it to you a little further. So, got it. And and you know what's what's one mistake that you found yourself making with uh, especially with developers in the beginning. So I'll give I'll give you an example, right? I used to be like, oh, that should be easy to do, right? A few hours, right? <laughs> um, so that's one example. Of, that's a big no no that I learned to to avoid. So what's what's one no no you can share? I, I was just gonna say that's exactly the same thing that's happened. At first, <laughs> you're like, yeah, we just do this, right? Just take yep. a day, no problem. Yep. Uh, but I mean, I think for me too, I was very soon to realize like. The, our, our team members, our developers on our team, they're awesome at what they do. They're experts, and they they can be very honest too about like, yeah, it's reality wise, like this is going to take me a week, mm-hmm. and not for me to just be like, oh yeah, it's a day, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I think part of what makes it work for us too is because we have an also a really awesome project manager. So. When we're developing the software and the business, we kind of make those line up and we have a roadmap for it. And so everyone's on the same page. And sometimes, yeah, we miscalculate. Sometimes we are like, okay, yeah, we'll have this done by this date. But uh, new uh, obstacles come up. Things take longer than normal sometimes. So I think that's just part of it. But that, yeah, that would be the same mistake, I think. It's just like, oh, yeah, this, we can get all of this done, right? Yep. <laughs> Yep. Cool. Um, final question for you. So, um, what's must one? What's one must-read book for entrepreneurs? Um, okay, just because this is probably one of the earlier books I read when I was just joining a startup. Um, it's called Marketing to Win. It's it's a new one. I actually know the girl because she she's a she does a lot of speaking engagements as well. But it's called Marketing to Win. Um, and the reason why I like it is because it's it's a simple. Or it's kind of like the basics. Like maybe it might be too easy for for most people out there, but like for me, someone who was starting this for the first time, uh, it was it had a lot of uh, like valuable, like actionable things that I could take from the book. So anything from brand strategy to how you engage and communicate with your users, mm-hmm. um, it was just a really easy, simple read with like easy to dos that I could actually utilize to to get the business moving. Got so. it. So very practical business book then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, marketing to win. But yeah. it's, it's, it's really good. Yeah, I thought it was really good. So. Cool. Perfect. So, you know, Andrea, thanks so much for joining us. Um, really insightful stuff. I think a lot of a lot of people, especially on the business and marketing side, can, can take a lot away from this. Um, thanks for joining us. You know, we hope to have you on the show again sometime soon. Great. Thank you so much, Eric. All right. Thank you.